talking and I'm not and I'm just <laughs> And then I'm talking <laughs> No, but wait, wait, I have something for him. Boom, you get shot down. Now you're just fucking me, aren't you? <laughs> I'm just wondering why all these people like kids. The Weird History and Eerie Tales Podcast. Concentrate on the what we do. Wow. <laughs> FYI, there's nothing wrong with All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Weird History Eritos Podcast. I am your host, Mosasoria, and with me to my left is my brother Josh. Yeah. And then with me to my right is Achi. Guess who's back? The boys are back in town. Hell yeah. And we're back in town to talk about what exactly? The Bermuda Triangle. This is one of those things that I... For as long as I can remember, I've known and I have been intrigued by the Bermuda Triangle. It's one of those fucking mysteries that you're just like, how the fuck does that even happen? I've always been fascinated by by the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> I've, I've you always, okay, Josh? Well, he, he can do his ASMR. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've always been intrigued by the Bermuda Triangle, but for a specific reason. And what's the reason? And it's our very first episode. Ah, yeah, we mentioned it in our Atlantis episode. In Atlantis, that's why I was. That's how I became aware of the Bermuda Triangle. Hold on, hold on. I, I said it wrong. Atlantis. <laughs> that was a yeah, long time ago. That was those. a long time ago. That was a long time ago. That's why. That's still our most listened to episode. It's because every fucking week, it's like we have like ninety downloads, a hundred downloads, one hundred twenty downloads, eighty. Like, god damn it! For that one, imagine that how many one. people we turned off. Just because of that. A lot. A lot. A lot. Guaranteed. At least 80 a week. They're like, oh, fuck this. But we're not talking about Atlantis. At least not yet. (laughs) We're going to be talking about the Bermuda Triangle. And today we're going to be talking about what the Bermuda Triangle is. We're going to be talking about a few uh, conspiracy theories surrounding this mysterious patch of sea. And some accounts dealing with the Bermuda Triangle. So sit back. And enjoy the show. So within the Western North Atlantic Ocean, there exists what might be called a triangle of sea extending southwest from the island of Bermuda to Miami through southern Florida to Key West, extending southeast from Puerto Rico and then back to Bermuda. This is the area commonly called the Bermuda Triangle. And even though it looks like any other patch of sea if we look through history's greatest mysteries you'll find that there really is no place like the Bermuda Triangle no place that challenges mankind with so many extraordinary and incredible events no place where more aircrafts and ships have mysteriously disappeared from not only that but most just know that most of these disappearances have happened not during stormy travels or violent waves, but during fair weather days, where it's sunny and it's perfect day to fly or to sail. Many ships and planes have disappeared without sending distress signals, leaving no wreckage, and never ever leaving behind a body. In fact, over the last three decades, More than 75 planes and ships have disappeared and vanished, despite the fact that aboard these ships and planes, they are fixed with GPSs. They have had communication gear 
most of the most modern technology that planes and ships could have. And searches have always been immediately launched when a ship or plane has been declared missing. Even though this all this has happened, they, we've, they've never recovered a missing plane or a missing ship. And aside from the staggering number of disappearances, it's actually the circumstances in which these ships, planes have disappeared that has had many professionals sounding the alarms. One example of what I'm talking about took place on Halloween in 1991. So radar controllers had over and over again checked and rechecked a blank scope. When moments earlier they had been tracking, they had been tracking a Cougar jet. The pilot was named John Verdi, and he and his pilot Paul Lucaris, they were heading toward Tallahassee. Moments before the flight center, they had heard Verdi's voice requesting a higher altitude, so they were tracking his jet, and yeah. the pilot called into the center. He was asking for permission for his jet to rise four thousand feet. He wanted to go from 25,000 to 29,000 feet to avoid some some thunderstorms that had drifted into the path of the jet. Hmm. So the command center, the radar said, yeah, cool, go for it. So the radar kept track on Verdi on the jet as they were ascending when suddenly the jet just disappeared off the radar. With Verdi and Lucaris having stopped responding to the call to the command center's calls the jet had not sent an sos to say they had encountered a problem the jet wasn't captured or gunned down considering there was no tracking of the jet descending the jet just disappeared while it was ascending and considering that the area verde had disappeared at was being hit with a thunderstorm a search party cannot be sent out to investigate right away yeah verde was never heard from again and no trace was ever found of the jet. When it was all done and over, the whole thing was just chalked up to aircraft damaged, and they called it a night. Damn! It's like that's it. One yeah. of the one of the most interesting things about a lot of these cases is that incidents like these are very ever rarely reported by the press and the media. And if they are reported, they're done with little attention to detail or the reports are made without the unusual details regarding the disappearances. For example, in 1978 and in 1979 alone, 18 aircrafts just mysteriously vanished when flying over the Bermuda Triangle. But can you guys guess how many of the 18 were actually reported by the media? Say three. Five. Out of the 18 were just reported by newspapers or the news. The other 16? Nah. No whisper. Which is fucking insane. Because today, if a plane goes missing, you hear you hear about it for fucking weeks. Right? Still haven't found it. Still haven't found it. Like, for example, uh, the crash with, what's her name? That singer? The Mexican singer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot her name. Um, Jenny? Jenny DeVetta. Yeah. When she fucking passed away or whatever, they've been going through the whole mystery of like, how did it happen? How could they possibly land here? We still can't find her body and this and that. That was going on for weeks. Uh, they never found her body? 
At least not that I remember. I don't think so. You know what else is crazy? Going completely off topic. Um, they think, they think, they found Amelia Earhart's plane. What? Oh, yeah. We're at. It's on one of the islands where they suspected it was at. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, like a channel of islands where they think it happened. Mm-hmm. And a while ago, there was um a picture taken a long time ago of a uh, picture taken of a sh- of a boat of a ship. Yeah, yeah. Right. They just took a picture of it, whatever. And it wasn't until recently that they released a picture and they were talking about it. That in that picture on the bottom left hand of the corner, you see a tip of something coming out, and the the the, the ocean is like super shallow. So right, it's right. like if a plane did hit. It's probably still there. And the way the, the the thing that's poking out, they're like, oh, that's the tail of this certain type of plane. Yeah. Who had the certain type of plane? Like Amelia Earhart. Amelia Earhart. Wow. And, she, and this is where they suspected. And the dude who's in charge of doing, who's, who's going to do this search for her, mm-hmm. he's like the world's expert of, of finding shit. He's the dude who found uh, the Titanic. He's the dude who found like a bunch of these rare shit. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm up next. I'm just doing my last thing. And then I'm going to jump onto the islands and figure out what the fuck is going on. God damn. So that's how it works. What? Like, you said he's gonna finish his own thing, or his? Oh, because because like, it's like, like hey, because it's on a project. For you? No, no, okay. no. Like, no. But like, who, who, like, who has millions of dollars worth of technology and uh, time okay, to okay. go? I mean, if you want, you can go do it right now. But <laughs> shout it, shit. You just yeah. take, you just take a flashlight. <laughs> yeah. So like, you want to do it for fun? A couple of shovels. Damn. So I'm gonna fuck up that project. <laughs> Start digging, digging out pieces of the freaking plane. <laughs> he jumps off the boat like, oh, water's too cold, water's too cold. Let me get, let me get back on the boat. So that's fucking insane that out of the 18, only two were reported. Only two. Fucking name. And what makes the lack of reports and media attention even crazier is that even if we take out the weirdness of the Bermuda Triangle, even if we take out the weirdness of the disappearances, even if we just take that out, we take out the mysteriousness of it all, you would think that by just looking at the number of these disappearances, that something funky is obviously going on in this area. But they're just not reporting it. It's the government, man. And consider this. The Bermuda Triangle's reputation or lore or legend or whatever you want to call it, for the majority of its popularity, it was all really based on the myth of 20 planes and 50 ships have gone missing over the last 100 plus years. That's what the Bermuda Triangle is known for. Yeah. Over, like, there's been 20 ships that have gone in, never came out, over 50, I mean, 20 planes, over 50 ships. That's what the Bermuda Triangle was you know, once famous for. Yeah. But when you dig down and you start looking at official records, you're going to find out that that number, it's 20 it's tiny planes and 50 ships have gone over missing over 100 years, is ridiculously low. And they, in, they took off some zeros on there, or what? And in, and in some cases, when move, you look move at the decimal over, when you look <laughs> at when you look at some intervals of two year periods, yeah, you'll find that sometimes in those two years that you're looking for, you have that number already. That the disappearances exceed oh, the popular twenty planes and fifty ships. So on average, four planes and twenty ships go missing every year. Oh. On average. So official documents on all aircraft accidents are maintained. And when you start looking into these documents, you're going to find some, what I like to call, straight buffoonery. The thing you're going to find over 
Can you use that in a sentence? You just did. You're, you're, <laughs> you're <laughs> a buffoonery. <laughs> that question was riddled with buffoonery. Oh. The thing you're going to find over and over and over and over again when looking through these official documents is the brief reporting on these missing cases and are usually summed down to not even a full page. So when the report of missing ships is like, oh, at September 1954, this ship went missing and it just disappeared. That's it. They don't do no anything No questions else. asked. No questions asked. Just, God damn. It is what it is. In Washington, in Washington, D.C., there's this department in Washington, D.C. Shut up. In Washington, D.C., there's this department called the National Transportation Safety Board. Right. Or as us professionals like to call it, the NTSB. And the NTSB keep their official documents that I'm talking about. They're, they're the ones that keep these official documents. And when you start doing some savvy computer searching on their data on their database, you're going to start finding alarming numbers and startling statistics that are just hardly ever reported. Like for example, between 1964 and 1974, in a span of 10 years, 34 planes just disappeared. And then when you look at 1974 to 1984, the next 10 years after that, you'll see that 41 aircrafts have mysteriously disappeared. The middle triangle. And then when you look at the next few years, you realize none have disappeared. Out of nowhere. Just none disappeared. It's like shit's climbing and climbing and climbing. And then I know it's just sporadic. It's just sporadic. So because of all the weird shit surrounding the Bermuda Triangle, there is a growing belief that there is something very different and very weird about this area. Like no shit. And it's starting to become crystal clear that a lot of these missing cases are not i repeat a lot of these missing cases are not because of pilot errors vertigo fuel exhaustion uh getting lost disorientation or natural disasters like tidal waves cyclones or whirlpools that's not why these things are going missing and the reason why these are ruled out most of the time is because of something called the epirb or the emergency position indicating radio beacon, which is basically like a safety alarm. And this alarm is designed. It was made to be activated when it floats away from a sinking ship or plane, which then activates the ELT, which is the emergency located transmitter. So when a plane goes down, this alarm, when it starts floating away from the ship, because obviously you're thinking this plane's going to hit, yeah, this, this alarm starts floating away from the ship, and once it floats away from the ship, the other alarm um, on land, triggers. Gets, it triggers. So immediately you get sent. Like, oh shit, the plane went down. Let's go get it. And both of these alarms are meant to transmit their automatic, basically, maydays for weeks at a time. So if the plane crashes, you'll get that signal for weeks at a time. So you can go look for that, for that certain thing, for yeah. that certain accident. Not only leading a rescue team to an accident, but also guiding them to the exact location where the accident happened. And while these alarms are useful and have helped rescue teams all over the world to save countless lives, not one of these fucking alarms or signals have ever been 
triggered. Not one. Not one. From have one of not one of these alarms have ever been triggered from ships and planes known to have been carrying them that vanished in the Bermuda Triangle. A total of over 120 crafts. Over 120 planes and ships have been carrying these alarms, gone into the Bermuda Triangle, and disappeared without the alarm ever going off. Fucking Bob, you forgot to turn it on. They put no batteries. It's like in Ocean's Eleven where they're doing everything, and then the the dude's like, I have no batteries. That's what happens. So while this area is heavily fucked with when it comes to travel, there's this thing shared by many of the people who live in and around the Bermuda Triangle that there is something eerily compelling about all these disappearances. People who live there, they're like, yeah, it's weird. It's not weird that the the things are disappearing. It's how or why they're disappearing that's weird about all these disappearances. Reports made by pilots and shipmasters of unexplained forces involving electronic drains, radio dead spots, power blackouts, unusual fogs and hazes, and luminous phenomena are starting to give credence to many of the local to many of the locals' belief that something just isn't right. Something's off about this area. Many have talked about UFOs and that the technology is what causing these electromagnetic electromagnetic dead zones. The shallow Great Bahama Bank occupies a lot of the Bermuda Triangle in its southern corner. And area surveys, some done even as recently as a few years ago, are revealing cool as geometric and depending on who you believe, man-made ruins below the surface of this part of the ocean. And depending on who you believe, man-made ruins below the surface of this part of the ocean. And these claims of of man-made ruins have many looking at Edgar Cayce, a clairvoyant who believed that Atlantis was a superior civilization in the past. So according to this asshole and his prophecies, evidence for its advanced electromagnetic power sources, the abuse which disturbed the magnetic and gravitational fields which sent Atlantis to the bottom of the ocean, would be found in the Bahamas. He says this is where Atlantis is. In the Bahamas. And he said this before the Bermuda Triangle was a thing. Damn. This fucking crazy asshole talked about Atlantis being in the Bahamas way before even anyone thought of the Bermuda Triangle as we know it today. And in his theory, the unexplained electromagnetic forces may be residual from sunken power complexes that continue to operate and cause disappearances through through disintegration of a craft or misleading it until it's dangerously lost. He also suggests that time itself may warp in this area, and these planes and ships are set to different dimensions. And he stated this way, obviously, way before. This is like in the 1930s, 1920s. Yeah, yeah. So what else did he prove right? Well, there's a or lot. Of, what was his... He, uh, he has a lot of prophecies. I'm going to talk about him was a little later in the show. Oh, uh, okay. okay. Right? Yeah. Now, this is... Okay, guys. So this next part of my little segment is going to get really nerdy. But not the cool nerdy, but the annoying, like, oh my gosh, shut the fuck up, kind of nerdy. 
This is the science part of my little show. So bear with me. Atomic tests done during the Cold War have revealed other mysteries when it comes to electromagnetic fields. The Russians, the British, and even we. We have all dropped atomic bombs in the Northern Hemisphere. But the crazy thing is, is almost immediately after we dropped these bombs, unusual auroras and lights were seen in the Southern Hemisphere at the exact opposite of the test site what I'm and the paint the picture I'm trying to paint for you guys is listen to this when we dropped the atomic bomb on the city of Hiroshima in 1945 it lies near the 36 degrees north latitude so picture for the for the just to paint a picture we dropped the bomb at the very top of the globe lights and auroras and light phenomena were seen at 36 degrees south. So when we dropped the lights, so when we dropped at Hiroshima, you see people in Australia saw lights. And the parts of Australia where, where, where the lights were seen were in the direct opposite of Hiroshima on the other side of the globe. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, we're finding out that when we drop something so massive like an atomic bomb on the exact opposite when you're talking about linear perspectives, right? Yeah, you start seeing these effects, and we're wondering what the fuck, why? Right before the drop, after the drop, you oh. drop the bomb, it blows and up, lights. and exactly when that's blowing up on the exact opposite of the world, lights and aurora borealises and light phenomenon. So the action happens. Yeah. When there's action, there's a reaction. Right, right. And that's what he's talking about. But the reaction is in the complete opposite side of the world. It's fucking Newton's law to the max. And this phenomena of magnetic of magnetic opposition helps us realize the problem and interplay between mass and its mysterious energy field. So instead of wrecking the surrounding entire field line, like you would suspect, you throw a bomb, everything will get fucked up, and you start seeing these effects. The energy dropped by the atomic bomb, for example, traveled to the exact opposite end of another hemisphere. They're like, why the fuck is this happening? You'd assume if something happened here you'd see the lights here, not on the complete opposite end of this magnetic line. And the rotation of the Earth also reveals mysteries of gravity. So north of the equator, ocean currents turn clockwise. But south of the equator, they turn counterclockwise. And in the book, Into the Bermuda Triangle, Pursuing the Truth Behind the World's Greatest Mystery, which is my source for today, and I'll put the book and on the episode show notes, dude, dude by, by the way, this fucking book is amazing and it's super, it's it's really good. So I suggest you guys buy it. It's a cheap, it was cheap, it was maybe like 15 bucks, 16 bucks. But it talks about, but it talks about Atlantis, talks about a bunch of things dealing with the Bermuda Triangle. So again, it's called Into the Bermuda Triangle, Pursuing the Truth Behind the World's Greatest Mystery. I'll put that on the show notes. Hey. And in the book, the author, he goes on to say, and I quote, It is intriguing to contemplate when considering this, that the forces of magnetism and gravity may be subject to similar currents, eddies, and anomalies, far independent of our knowledge of the fields, still waiting to be discovered, charted, and understood. Acceleration. So that was his quote, right? So acceleration. Also, here's another quote crazy little thing about earth 
acceleration of the world's rotations and specifically the sphere's rotation it um for the you know for the lack of a better term it fucks with the effects of gravity when dealing with pole when when, when dealing with poles and equators basically this is my little ver- so basically this is hood science cuz i can't you know i'm dumbing it down for myself right so when dealing with the rotation of the earth the speed has a lot to do with gravity and it does so much so that an object will take longer to fall to the ground depending on what hemisphere it's on. Oh. So you drop some shit right here compared to... Over there, you're going to drop at different rates. What? Yeah. But one of the craziest parts of all of this is that readings at sea level and orbital heights revealed that fucking time Time itself is connected to mass and energy, and it passes just a little faster when you're farther from the center of gravity. Hmm. So if you're closer to a bigger mass of gravity, you'll age slower compared to someone who's further away, which means that gravity, which means that gravity and time are somehow interconnected, which is why if, for example, you take two people. You put one person on a plane, and you leave him up there for 10 years. He just flying around in, in, in the sky for 10 years, and you have someone else living on Earth for 10 years. You're going to see that the dude who lives, who was in the air, he aged a lot faster than the dude who aged on the ground. On land. On land. And I said all this to explain that the world we live in is weird as fuck. Fuck, and there are a lot of things at play when it comes to location and time and mass. And there's a lot of this world that we don't know, with the with the Bermuda Triangle being one of them. But if you want to get even more what the fuck about the Bermuda Triangle, is that these planes and ships disappearing aren't happening during a permanent duration, but like I said a little earlier, but they're disappearing sporadically. Like, not every year, 15 ships. Not every year, 20 ships. One year, 100 ships could disappear. And the next year, no ships could disappear. And I, and I know, yes, ships disappear every year. And I know earlier in the episode, I gave an average of its yearly disappearances. But thousands of planes and ships fly and sail through the Bermuda Triangle on a weekly basis. But the disappearances happen randomly, without a warning, sometimes even minutes and miles away from where another ship or plane is cruising. That's happened. Where you have two planes, two ships, or two planes, whatever, you're looking on the radar, they're maybe like 15 miles apart, and one just disappears. There's no weather, there's no, it just disappears. Never to be seen again. It's in there. Boop. And the disappearance, like I said, they happen randomly. Without a warning, like I said, sometimes even minutes and miles away from another ship or plane is cruising, and it's always without reason. There is no hot spot. There is not an average corner or area in the Bermuda Triangle that may be used as a caution to planes and crafts. Like, not most of these planes are disappearing on this corner of the Bermuda or by this island or over here. It's just the Bermuda, sporadically. It's just sporadically. So, basically, when you're flying through the Bermuda Triangle, it's basically. Russian roulette. 
and him going through the Bermuda Triangle. So it's basically just close your eyes and hope for the best. You know, it's crazy that you say that number about 20 planes and 50 ships. That's the same info that I got. But then when I started looking at this research, I'm like, this is, there's a lot of shit happening. I'm pretty sure that number is just bogus. Especially because people can also even agree on the size of the Bermuda Triangle itself. Some people say it's like a few thousand square miles. Some people say it's a few million square miles big. So even that alone, it's like, it's fucking crazy. So, we all know that it's all about eerie disappearances, the Bermuda Triangle. And what usually goes in the Bermuda Triangle, sometimes, like how Moses just mentioned, does not always come out. It's freaking Russian roulette. And so I have four of the more, most famous uh, disappearances that happen. And you're right. Even, even though there are the, these many disappearances, a lot of them go unnoted. Like, for example, the earliest one that I have is from 1967. I'm pretty sure disappearances have, have happened since then Way and will continue on. And, uh, like, like uh, I didn't mean to cut you off, but you remember when I mentioned that Washington, D.C., uh-huh. in Washington, D.C., there's this board where they keep all the records? Right. Well the, only, well, the oldest record only goes up to 1964. That's when they started keeping records. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before then, they, they have no idea what the fuck happened. And if they did, someone, they did, just, no one, no one marked it down. They're just yeah. like, oh, someone disappeared. Fuck it. Well, well, you know what? I think it's time for us to start keeping this on file. Yeah. So let's talk about one of the most famous disappearances. And that was Flight 19. By far the most famous eerie disappearance happened on December 5th of 1945 when five uh, TBM Avenger torpedo bombers vanished into the clutches of the Bermuda Triangle without a trace. The five torpedo bombers, nicknamed the Iron Birds, took flight from the Naval Air Station in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, on a routine training mission. These five torpedo bombers held 14 men, of whom one of them was a training officer, Lieutenant Charles Taylor. This crew and their chief were known as the famous Flight 19. Flight 19 was conducting its routine over the Bermuda Triangle when suddenly their compasses were uh, attempting an emergency landing, but the problem was that they had no fucking clue where they were. This was a time before GPS was invented, so having a compass is extremely important in helping them navigate over the endless sea. One of Flight 19's pilots was able to send a distress signal in which one of the radio towers was able to listen to this message. And I quote, We can't find West. Everything is wrong. We can't be sure of any direction. Everything looks strange, even the ocean. In about 20 minutes after this message was sent, Lieutenant Charles Taylor sent what would be Flight 19's last transmission before uh, their disappearance. And I quote, We can't make out of anything. We think we may be 225 miles northeast of the base. It looks like we're entering white water. We are completely lost. Shortly after, the naval station sent out a a BPM marine flying uh, boat for a search and rescue mission to look for the crew of Flight 19. But as you would believe it, this too vanished into thin air like the crew. And obviously, no one was safe from the clutches of the Bermuda Triangle. The Navy said, all right, guys. You gotta start fucking around here and put some serious work 
into finding these lost people. So then they went on a widespread search and rescue mission to try to find now six missing planes. I don't know about you, but again, Bermuda Triangle is not fucking small. You're fucking... And not only is it not small, it's in the fucking ocean, bro. How the fuck, like... Not only are you, t- are you keeping track of, like, how widespread it is, but how deep fucking ocean is? This is like trying to find the tiniest screw in your poofy-ass carpet carpet that fell out of, from your glasses while your blind ass can't even see shit already. That's how you're trying to find this fucking plane. It's pretty fucked up. Obviously... The Navy couldn't find their men, and in the report, they wrote this. We're not even able to make a good guess as to what happened. <laughs> That's it. They're just like, we can't even pretend what the f- <laughs> we know what the fuck happened. They're just, they're just, they're just gone. So basically, even the fucking Navy didn't know what the hell was going on. You know what's crazy? The whole premise of them disappearing and then talking about, we see whites, whites. White water. White the water. water yeah. The white water. Mm-hmm. I hate to do this. Oh, my God. It's still your segment. I hate to do this. But it reminds me of a H.P. Lovecraft story. The, at the Mountains of Venice. That's basically what happens. There were just a bunch of planes. They're like, where the fuck are we? They start seeing, like, they say, they say I think they say white waters. And they're like, that's not white water. That's fucking snow. And next thing you know, they're, like, in the middle of, like, fucking Antarctica or something. They're like, why, why the fuck are there temples they were, here? They were in the ocean at one point, and now they're in the mountains. I just always have to bring it back to Lovecraft. Fucking racist fuckhead. Of course. Now is Flight 19. Moving on to the next ear disappearance in the air was the Douglas DC-3. On the night of December 28th in 1948, a small plane known as the Douglas DC-3 was carrying 31 people and it had completely vanished on a flight from San Juan, Puerto Rico to Miami, Florida. This is one of those crazy stories that everything checked out just fine and out of fucking nowhere, curveball is thrown from way out of the outfield. Prior to its departure, the plane actually had a low battery, but Captain Robert Lindquist was unfazed, believing that the plane's generators would charge them back up when en route. With the two pilots, a stewardess, and 29 passengers, they were ready for liftoff. Just as they were taking off, the plane actually came to a halt right at the edge of the runway. San Juan Control attempted to make contact with the plane, but no response was made. They then sent out a vehicle to the plane and found out the batteries were so low that they weren't able to make communication to the control tower. They agreed to have the plane circle around the city a couple of times to give the generator enough time to recharge the batteries, and after 11 minutes, they were able to make contact once again. Throughout the night, Captain Lindquist made a routine made routine radio calls to confirm the location and its time. At 11.23 p.m., the Miami Overseas Foreign Air Route Traffic Control Center heard a call from what was most likely Captain Lindquist, letting him know that the plane was at 8,300 feet and will be arriving shortly at 4.03 a.m. Then the final call was made at 4.13 a.m. when Captain Lindquist advised that they were only 50 miles south from Miami. If you were to compare the two given times, he's 10 minutes late, which is nothing when you compare it to the time it usually takes for me to get out of my house, especially if someone's there to pick me up. Yes. Oh, my fucking God. 
These fools now. I don't want to talk about it. If if you want to leave by 12, you have to tell Achi I'm picking you up at 9. That way he's out of his house by hopefully 11.30. It's insane. I, I don't know. What happened? I don't know. Serious talk here. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? Yeah, every time we're going out anywhere, yeah. these guys, well, you guys or anyone or even my girlfriend, call me right before they turn or even leave their house. Just to let me know. We call that I'm you outside. once once right before we hit the shower. Hey, we're outside and we're literally showering because we know how long you're gonna fucking take. And we get there and then you're just And we're still <laughs> waiting like five minutes. Like what's going on? I'm being serious. What's going on? See, I I have the same You're a mystery of your own. I I, I have a similar I have a similar problem. Where I'm I, In I don't the shower for like no, hours? I don't make people wait. Well, I mean I do make people wait. But it's I, uh, I don't make them wait for me in terms of like them waiting outside. Yeah, yeah. When they're like, oh, let's meet up over here. Where you at? I'm telling them I'm on my way and I'm still in bed. I haven't showered. I haven't Gee. changed. I'm like, I'll be there in 10 minutes and I'm barely showering. And I'm, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm just getting there. I'm leaving my house. Gee. I'm here. I'm getting close to the area. When I get there, I'm like, hey, where y'all at? I've been here for a while. <laughs> what was strange, however, is that this message was not heard from the Miami control tower, but instead picked up by... The New Orleans control tower, about 600 miles away Holy from Miami. Shit. What the fuck? The New Orleans control tower was freaking the fuck out and immediately sent that message to Miami. This tower proved pointless as the Douglas DC-3 never arrived to its destination. Mass searches were made around Miami as well as Cuba and the Gulf of Mexico because it was believed that strong winds were happening around the same time of the last transmission, Damn. which is believed to have probably drifted the plane off course. No verified signs of plane wreckages or bodies were ever found. But how the fuck are you going to explain? The battery, the fucking batteries were low. How the fuck are they going to get? Like, they were struggling to get to Miami. They fucking... In, what the fuck? Because yeah. they were saying, like, oh, we're almost there. And they're like, almost there? Where are you going? Almost where? Who are you? Who's this? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, we're almost there to Miami. You just hear fucking... fucking they're coming from where? They're coming from... The Bahamas. No, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. Going from Puerto Rico. They're going to fucking uh, Miami. Mm-hmm. The New Orleans fucking... Uh, the Fly Center or whatever. They get a call. You just hear Bad Bunny and fucking... And Pitbull playing in the background. They're like, who the fuck is this? You just <laughs> oh. hear Maracas playing like, oh, we're almost there. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? Echale poquito azúcar. You guys cute. Yeah, I know. Now, there are speculations as to what, have co- what may have caused the disaster... To happen. For starters, the plane's faulty battery could be responsible. Captain Linquist did not want to stay and completely fixed the issue as he wanted to lead right away so that there was so that their predicted favorable weather conditions were still good. So they didn't want to they wanted to lead right away because the weather was still good. And they didn't want to bother freaking charging the batteries or anything. Another blame could be the strong winds, which could have drifted the plane off course, which is probably why. New Orleans received the update that was not capable of flying uh, seven and a half hours without a refuel. And since its last transmission, it was up in the air for about six hours already. However, the strong wind conditions, as well as a plane being uh, 118 pounds over its uh, cabin limit, would have caused the engine to work harder and consume more fuel. Whatever the reason is, the mystery of the disappearance of a Douglas DC-3 
shapes will remain as Bermuda's triangles, as one of Bermuda's triangles mysteries. Wait, so even even them going that that little bit over the weight limit, mm-hmm. you think that the the the, the thing that that was enough to strain the engine where it took it sapped their fuel? Well, it's a combination of things because there's if there's strong wind, then that's going to cause the engine to work harder. That plus the the plane being overweight is already going to be working the engine a little bit harder. That plus the battery still being low might have also been another reason. So those that combination of, of shit happening together. Plus the, the distracted, the bumping pit bull, the just doing all sorts of crazy shit. For freaking Echela Azucar over here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So now we're going to move on from the air to the sea. And the first one I want to talk about is from a small boat called the Witchcraft. Oh, when you mentioned witchcraft, I thought you legit meant witchcraft. Oh, no, it's not witchcraft. You fuck. It's like <laughs> black magic type of shit? Yeah, because he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, witchcraft? I was like, oh, oh shit. That knows a boat. Man, I feel fuck. See, <laughs> this is what I mean by buffoonery. <laughs> when I said earlier buffoonery, this is what I meant. You're I've like, been bamboozled. You've been bamboozled, bro. So now. Moving on to the sea. On the evening of December 22 in 1967, a hotel owner named Dan Burak invited his friend, Father Patrick Horgan, to make a ride or to take a ride on his 23-foot long cruiser, notably known as Witchcraft. Since it was right around Christmas, Burak wanted to show Father Horgan all the beautiful light decorations that lit the city of Miami. Both weren't expecting a much longer of a cruise considering that they were beginning to get it was beginning to get dark when they set sail around 7 p.m. Right around 9 p.m., however, Miami's Coast Guard received a calm and relaxed distress call from Burak requesting to be pulled to shore. He said that the boat had been hit by something below the yacht. He said that they're okay, but they don't want to risk attempting to go back to shore on their own. Luckily, Burak knew his exact location, which was right in front of uh, Boeing number 7 and it was extremely helpful so that way they could be found quickly and bring back to shore or brought back to shore at about 15 minutes later the Coast Guard arrived to the location indicated by Borak and found absolutely nothing there was no sign of wreckage uh, life preservers people or anything at all that night the Coast Guard went around a 1,200-mile search as well as sending out a message to all the private owners around that area to keep a lookout for a boat missing. The boat was called the Witchcraft because of its ability to stay completely afloat even if its hull is filled completely with water. It was coined to be, quote-unquote, unsinkable. So, <laughs> that sounds familiar. I heard that one before. So if they haven't found any bodies... Strange that the Coast Guard was unable to to even find the quote-unquote unsinkable boat. Then on December 28, 1967, the search and rescue mission was halted after covering 24,500 square miles and have tagged the boat and its passengers to be officially lost at sea. The whole time that you kept mentioning Borok, I kept picturing Turok. I kept picturing a Native American... Fighting Raptors. Which they released on the Nintendo Switch. Both Turok and Turok 2. You're kidding me. For real? Really? Yeah. Like, up to, like up to, well, how much? 
20 bucks. Updated graphics or is it still I mean, it's not updated to the close to Switch, but yeah, it's, it's like a remastered version. Oh, all right. Yeah. Also, 20 bucks. There I was, think 20 bucks. I saw online with some dude. He was like, Torak is one of my favorite games ever. So I, I, I always had the cover of the, of the, of the, of the I used to have the cover of the, of the N64 game case. For the first Torak? Yeah, for the first Torak. Okay. And it says, I've been with my girlfriend for like 10 plus years. He's like, this whole time she thought Torak was the Raptor. <laughs> what? <laughs> and like, you look at the case, you're like, it makes sense because the, the O, because the O in the in the Turok has the Raptor eye. Right. The yeah. case, the fucking Raptor is fucking up Turok, and the Raptor is like twice as big as Turok. She, she's like, all right, I guess it's a Raptor game. <laughs> I found that funny. But Turok is was an amazing game. I mean, it was one of the only few games that my dad actually would take the control from our hands so he could play it. Yeah. Really. That cool. one and uh, Castlevania and Doom. Yeah. I don't know if you remember my dad playing Doom. I remember Doom. I remember Castlevania, and I remember uh, Turok. Uh, Turok. Yeah. He it's actually, crazy. when Turok 2 came out, he's like, we should get it. Like, yeah, let's get it. <laughs> no way. Yeah, we got it. And it was cool. Turok 2 was a, was the game. It was one of the first Nintendo 64 games that that had the cool cartridge that was a different color. That it was all black. It was all black. Oh, it was all black. I remember. We still have it. Do we? Yeah, it's, it's still in the case. I mean, okay. the N64 uh, bag that we have. Pretty insane. Yeah, so the whole time you kept saying Burrock, I just kept picturing a raptor. Turok. Yeah, just just a native American, <laughs> just, just a native, just a just a Native American dude, just with a gun shooting at a raptor. Pew pew, it's Kung Fury all over again. God damn. Pew pew pew. Now the last one, which is I, I think the most famous. There's the last one or next one? No, the last one. Last one. All. The the most famous disappearance of a boat, which is Titanic. The USS Cyclops. Now we follow Titanic. The fuck Oh, yeah, you did say disappearances. So the USS Cyclops is one of the most famous documented concerning uh, the Bermuda Triangle disappearances. It was one of the few large cargo ships to have been built a few years prior to World War I. Its main role during the war was to provide supplies to ships at sea, mainly on the East Coast. And on May 1st of 1917, it was commissioned to Lieutenant Commander George W. Worley. It wasn't until February 16th of 1918 where it set sail on its first voyage through the Bermuda Triangle. At the time, it was venturing to revive in Baltimore, Maryland, from the port of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Lieutenant Commander George uh, W. Worley was planning on making one straight shot to Baltimore without taking any stops. Doing so again would take the ship directly to the heart of Bermuda Triangle. It was important to mention that, that Lieutenant uh, Commander Worley said in a report that the engine had cracked had a cracked cylinder and was inoperative. He, however, wanted to wait until they reached the States to fix it. Now, I'm no boat expert here, and I don't know how this boat could still be running with something that I think sounds extremely severe. Sound like a landlubber. <laughs> no? Pirate lingo? No? Landlubber? Someone that's new to boats? Okay, never mind. i freaking dump you as my hardy <laughs> Fucking bilge rat. No. Hey, no, that's you. <laughs> that's you. Don't you forget. Fucking completely rat. lost. have no idea what we're talking about. Go ahead and check out the episode on pirates. Pirates. Floors and then. Now back to the show. But knowing you have hundreds of freaking lives at stake and possibly thousands uh, thousands or even millions of dollars worth of supplies. Don't you think it would be a smart idea to fix your shit before you start embarking on an almost 5,000 mile trip? Well, this sounds like a cocky ass fucking pilot, uh, not pilot, um, captain. He's 
he's that dude that's done a bunch of shit like this. He's he's me. We're like we're like my gas, gas. Is, like the gas is on yellow. I'm like we'll make it. I know the car. I'll like, make it. I've done this hundreds of times. In fact, you only done it like once. The first time you're doing it. Last time you <laughs> did that it was a different car. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't long until the ship went to dock in Barbados on March 3rd. However, he did not stop to fix the engine. He stopped by to check to see Rihanna. Close. Oh. He arrived to play to pay a visit to a Charles Ludlow. Uh, Livingston, who was a U.S. consul at the time, and well, was was taking an additional cargo. So not only was the ship fucking up, and it was fucking heavy or whatever. He stopped by after seeing Rihanna, and he took more shit. Yep, I like this guy. Dude's a legend. The Barbados port officials even warned Lieutenant Commander Worley not to take the ship out to sea, as the ship was submerging past its Plimsoll line. And so basically, I didn't freaking know this shit. The boats have these fucking lines at the, at, on, on, right at the edges of the boat. Yeah. Letting them know that, one... You're too heavy or too light. You're too heavy or too, you're too light. And also, depending on what season it is, that's where it should be. So, like, whatever the Plimsoll line is for winter is different from the one for summer, which is different from the one for spring. Oh, like, warm nice. waters, cold waters, whatever. So yeah. if it's cold, you got to make sure you're right here. If it's warm, it's got to be here. So it was already past that shit. Yeah, yeah, this is common knowledge. I don't know how you, I don't know you don't know this. <laughs> I mentioned earlier, I'm no boat expert. <laughs> Land lover. Fucking piece of shit rat. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! He added a new one. <laughs> 25, it's now 26 terms, all right. Lieutenant Commander cool. Worley said, uh, he gave him, the, basically gave him the fucking middle finger. And he said so anyways on March 9th. And was the last sighting of the USS Cyclops and its crew. I could just picture him just at the edge of the boat, just flipping the goddamn port off. Oh, shit. Captain, Captain don't leave. The captain's like, buddy, buddy, what do you mean don't leave? Fuck you. <laughs> I'm not leaving. You're leaving. No, fuck you. You're the one fuck I want. It was, it was last spotted by a molasses tanker somewhere near Virginia. The U.S. Navy held an extensive search of the ship, but officially came out with nothing and was officially declared lost at sea. What made this disappearance uh, strange is that there were no distress calls sent out to anyone from either Lieutenant Commander Worley or any of his crew. Com- just completely sank without a trace. Fifty years later, however, a Navy diver reported to have hold, to have hold of an old wreckage around the area where the USS Cyclops has presumably sank. Upon further investigation, it was confirmed that it was indeed the USS Cyclops. Oh, shit. It was found off the Norfolk, Virginia coast. But then, another expedition was made, and they actually found out nothing. So this guy said he, he found the ship. Gave the locations. Gave the locations. Like, all right, it's over here. Go out, get okay. more men, try to get an expedition. Nothing, nothing. was there. And there's fucking variations in the story and all this shit. Hey, you know how the tanker? You know how there's a tanker mm-hmm. that was the last to see the Skyclops? Mm-hmm. You know how they're like the last ones to see it? They're looking. They're like, "Hey, that boat looks a little too heavy, bro." <laughs> <laughs> hey, John, does that book? Does that boat look a little too heavy? <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like, "Yep, yeah." Yep. <laughs> That's it. They keep on going. He's like, "Hmm, all right." There are rumors that Lieutenant Commander Worley and his crew were actually German sympathizers. 
and that after the war, they were planning on giving away the ship to the Germans. Some people even say that Worley was German-born. They say that he, his name was actually Johann Frederick Wichmann and was born in 1862 in Hanover, Germany. That's why it was called Witchcraft. There's the witch. The Cyclops. Different ship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to edit all this out. Go on. <laughs> when he arrived in San Francisco by jumping ship, he actually changed his name to George W. Worley. First starting off in doing small ship deliveries, both legally and illegally, and then going up the ranks to lieutenant commander, rumors also say that he was actually a horrible commander. Hence why he gave the fucking middle finger to the people in Barbados. Well, I could tell he's a horrible commander when this fucking this boat wasn't working. He said, no, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it. And he treated his non-German crew like shit. He had a horrible habit of putting the non-experienced German crew to doing loading while the more experienced crew didn't do shit. Since then, however, the remains of the U.S. Cyclops and its crew have yet to be found. Wait, wait, wait. So he was German. It wasn't just well, uh, it's rumored. It's rumored. Oh, oh. that he's German. Okay, because yeah. at the end you were saying his the, the non-German and yeah, German. and so that's where the more rumors come in. Mm. Yeah. So his whole plan all along was to kind of just do this fucking little small business or whatever, and then once he was done, he's gonna just give it to the Germans and then just say, oh, well, boat fucking sank or whatever. Yeah. See, t- see, times were simpler back then. You could just show up and change <laughs> your name. You just show up like, I don't want to be this dude. I'll just be fucking Sufti Woo. I want to be this guy. It's like, where are you from? from San Francisco. <laughs> deep German accent. From San Francisco. Texas. I'm not even trying. <laughs> Yeehaw. So I got all this information from three main sources. Uh, one, obviously, my boys, mo- one of my f- most favorite YouTube uh, YouTubers, which is uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved. Nice, nice. Information that I got from the witchcraft is from thequesterflies.com and then a pretty good book from Amazon uh, entitled Deep Blue Mystery The Bermuda Triangle and the Mysteries of the Deep by Anna Ravel and Phil Coleman if you want to go check it out it's on Amazon it's pretty cheap you can like find, 15 bucks you can find all these sources the sources my brother's going to mention all the sources that I mentioned the books everything you can find all of that on the show's notes in case you're interested in reading the book trying to you know, trying to learn more trying to see what what I definitely got wrong, just go check it out. <laughs> you look into the book. They don't mention Rihanna in any of these <laughs> chapters. Well, conspiracy theories, you love them and you hate them. No, I fucking love them. I hate, I hate that I love them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what's, what's, what's weird about us humans, we have something that's called imagination. And we let that shit run wild sometimes. And especially uh, when it comes to these conspiracies. One great example for me. Have you ever uh, been sleeping at night in a dark room and you see a shadow and you're like, what the fuck is that? Dude, it's like your the chair fucking story that you told me about when you guys will go up the stairs and you oh, see yeah, a fucking dude. shadow there. Yeah. So, your imagination's like, it's a fucking monster. But then you have the logical side. It's fucking clothes on top of your chair. Well, that's the fucking worst. That's the worst. <laughs> You use logic. And it is a fucking monster. And especially for you. Because you, <laughs> you stack it on your computer chair. With my gaming chair, yeah. So it's crazy. So that being said, I'm going to give you guys three logical scientific theories on the Bermuda Triangle and three fictional theories 
that are supernatural. No one gives a fuck about logic. Go straight. <laughs> well, go we got to get that out of the way. We got to go, go start talking about the fucking. Hey, logic is dope, bro. Yeah. Are, are you talking about the rapper? Yeah, you go hard. <laughs> All right, guys. Achi is no longer in the show. His mic is <laughs> muted. So that being said, number one, we have what's known as a methane gas theory. For those who don't know, methane gas uh, is underwater in sea levels. And it's frozen under the sediments that's known as the methane hydrates. It's just frozen fucking piece of a uh, gas. It's like a rock or yeah, a yeah, volcano, some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, not volcano, but but yeah. Okay. Uh, but if it if it happens to seep through this uh, hydrate, the methane hydrate, and goes into the water, the whole area drastically decreases the density of the water. If density decreases. That means anything that's over floating will then sink because having high volumes of density makes things float. Right, right. Okay. So if there's a ship that's sailing and it hits an area where it's low density due to methane gas being seeped into the ocean, mm-hmm. and then they're going to sink. I think I remember oh. seeing that shit on Mythbusters and then trying to, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, so these. What is this witchcraft? So, these, so, so this is for the ships. Now you're like, oh, what about the fucking aircrafts, right? How how does How's this have to be? Yeah, exactly. Well, if it seeps through the the water and it goes up into the air, right? Methane gas causes a lot of turbulence for aircrafts. Not only that, this fucking gas is very highly combustible. So any little reaction that will happen Boom. in this area will cause an explosion. So basically, just Mother Nature just shooting. Pretty much. Mother Nature saying, nice try. So that's one scientific slash logical theory of why these phenomenons are occurring. happening yeah. and are occurring around this area. That makes sense. Number two, we Probably. have what's known as air bombs. Okay, thanks to meteorologists and scientists and satellites, they've seen clouds that are shaped as a hexagon, right? Six sides. And they have straight edges. What? Okay, which is crazy. I've seen pictures of it. You're like, okay, what's so weird about. I mean, first of all, it's weird. Cloud. First of all, clouds are random shapes. Yeah. There's never, like, oh, yeah, there's a, you know, a hexagon fucking cloud, but no. there is. Unless you're. Never mind. And some are found around this area the Bermuda Triangle. I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm probably going to edit this out. The fuck's a hexagon? That's not the stop sign. Six sides. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six. It's no flat top or sides. Try for me. I, I need to paint a picture. <laughs> you're you're trying, trying to do it yourself? I was trying to do the stop sign. I'm like, no, that's eight. And I'm trying to do the other different shapes. It's a fucking Ruby from The Legend of Zelda. Just say that. <laughs> I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> it paints a clear picture. It's a fucking Ruby from Legend of Zelda. All right. I got it. And the re- <laughs> so there are sh- clouds shaped yeah. like this. So there's clouds shaped like that. Do you go through it? Do you get coins? Well, <laughs> <laughs> do you level the power up? Do I look like a joke to you? <laughs> Wait, joke to you? <laughs> do I look like a joke to you? Because <laughs> uh, I am. But yeah, so so there's proof that these clouds actually exist, and there's pictures of them. Right. Um. So through satellite, they they seen that. The reason why they call these clouds air bombs is because randomly uh they blast out wind 
that range from 100 to 170 miles what per hour. Randomly, shit. randomly. So we're talking about like vertical. Whoosh. Yeah. Or just the wall. Or just the wall of wind. So that being said, if your aircraft flying under this cloud and it happens to fucking blow up, that aircraft's gonna get fucked up. Damn. Regardless, it's just dope. What is a cloud called again? Air bomb. Air bomb cloud. Yeah, it's well, they're called air bombs, but just put hexagonal clouds, and you'll see uh, images of that. If you just want to look at these clouds, put it up can, on our Instagram. You could obviously look it up, or do yourself a favor and go to our Instagram at Weird History Utah's Pod and, mm, and look it up. We found the sources. You can only find it on our Instagram. So that's what happens to aircrafts that will fly over it, under it, or under it, under it. Yeah. So how about the ships? That's fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's like I'm watch- looking at rocks. Well, you, well, if you see this, you're about to get rocks. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and then for ships, these fucking air bombs create waves that are 45 plus feet high. Holy <laughs> shit. Oh. So you can just imagine some fucking perfect storm shit happening. See, when you mentioned to us earlier... If, would you go to the Bermuda Triangle by sea or by air? That's a reason why I wouldn't fucking do sea. Fucking waves. You'd rather you get shot down? And <laughs> <laughs> hey, low-key? True. I've, I've, I've seen the perfect storm. You just got to ride the wave sideways. Don't, you, you, don't, you, don't, you, you don't ride it up because then you're just going to get flipped back. You're supposed to ride it yeah, sideways. I see, and I see, I see and so many fucking movies and they say, no, we're going to go straight to the wave. Well, yeah, it crashes. Well, that's, yeah, that's if you're trying to overcome it. But if right. you're already coming, if the wave's already at full mass and it's coming down, you never ride it forward because you're going to get flipped back. What you oh, do true. is you try to ride as far straight as you can. And once you start feeling it, so like the boat starts going shit. up, you start going sideways. So hopefully as the thing starts curving out, you start you going through and you cut through. You basically surf the wave, bro. Calabunga, dude. It's funny how you're talking like you experienced this before. Wait, we all know. Don't you hate the ocean? Yeah. (laughs) See, but this is the thing. I don't don't hate things just like. Just to hate them? No, you do. No, 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 I do. (laughs) No, no, you do. No, no, no. False. It's true. But I know about what I hate. You know what I mean? You don't Okay. I get it. You don't just talk shit just to talk shit. Yeah, like like, there's reasons for why I hate shit. There's relevance to your hate. There, there's some logic behind my hate, yes. Sometimes not. He just talks shit, just talks shit. That's you. <laughs> that, is, that is you. But why, though? Oh, no. There because is I love drama. That's right. That's right. Never mind. I love drama. Yes. Bird drop. All right, what? go on. What? So, what, so what happened? So, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's number two. Those are air bombs. Crazy as fuck. And last but not least, for the logical slash scientific, well, scientific reasons. Scientific? I, I fucked up. <laughs> Edit that out real quick. Uh, it's known as, well, you said yourself, whirlpools, and what's known as blue holes. Blue holes? Mm-hmm. So, blue holes are... <laughs> I didn't say nothing. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> nope. Nope. I didn't say nothing. Just say it. Go on. You talking about these blue holes? Well, these blue holes <laughs> are what scientists, like... Like to call them, they're uh, geological transformations. They're not man-made, quote unquote. Uh, under these, uh, I mean, under the the sea of the Bermuda area, mm-hmm. and they're caves. 
right? They're caves. There's they're caves, and within these caves, I'm, I'm talking about large. There's a lot of entrances, exits all around these caves. So waves go in and out. Yeah. Right. Just randomly all in the middle at of the, the same ocean. Time, yeah. Right? Which will then create whirlpools. Let me see that shit. That looks fucking scary, bro. Again? That looks scary. Weird history? You would tell pot? Yeah. They're like bottled shaped or some shit That's like that. That's giving me anxiety. Yeah, so, so basically, uh, what my brother's trying to, like, the way he, the picture's trying to, the picture he's trying to paint, and I'm going to use the reference from Atlantis, the movie, turned into Atlantis. Mm-hmm. They mention, uh, like my brother said, it's a, teen, it's a series of tunnels, right? Yeah. Imagine it like a sinkhole, like a, a legit a sink, the like hole inside a, a drain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know how the top is a hole and yeah. then the drain, the pipes, mm-hmm. well, that's where the waves are. That's the series of caves that my brother's talking about. So yeah. you can just picture that. Oh, shit. And what are in these caves? It's just titles of waves going in and out. And out. So when it shoots out, out, it just shoots up or what? Yeah, which leads to the creation of whirlpools. Yeah. Oh. That's how whirlpools are made? Isn't that Lugia? Fun fact, the largest blue hole in the Bahamas is known as Dean's Blue Hole. <laughs> it's depth of 663 feet. Holy shit. You know, there's, yeah. there's a video on Instagram that I saw. Of, like, You know how they have like those nature videos when they're just walking around, just checking out this fucking place? It was a pretty dope spot. It was like somewhere in the jungle and shit. And this guy's in the ocean, and he, he, he takes a video from above the water. Then he goes... Below the water. Something about being in somewhere where it's fucking so deep you can't see the bottom of the fucking of where you are. It's, it's scary. It's scary, dude. And that's what happened. Like, oh, the top, the top part looked freaking sick. Like, oh, that's fucking dope. And then he goes down to where the, the right below where the freaking water is. And it's, just it's just an abyss. I'm like, fuck. And then I look. I fucking love going through comments. I'm like, I wonder if these fuckers are thinking exactly what I'm thinking. Everyone's like, <laughs> like, yep. I'm having anxiety just looking at this shit. You know what movie gave me really bad anxiety for not being that that, that scary? Have you guys seen the movie 40, 48 Feet Below? No. Is that the one about... 48 Below? Is that the one about a shark or some shit like that? Uh, Yes. It's about these two girls that are inside the... There's a... Part two is coming out in theaters. It's oh, about shit. these girls that are inside a, like a shark cage. Yeah, yeah. And you know how they dip you down or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they pay like these like cheap ass dudes to do it or these guys like lure, lure them in yeah. and it's like this it's not professional so like the chain's all fucking it's all fucking rusted, rusted. The, the, the cage is broken or whatever and as they're rising up the chain breaks and they fall oh, 48 meters no. down and they boom they fall down and they have oxygen tanks or whatever and but it's limited yeah but like, they're freaking out and, oh, shit. And, and like they have a little bit like of oxygen left and like, they're at the bottom and when the cage lands one of the girl's legs is underneath the cage. Uh, so they're trying to figure out whatever. Like, But the whole thing is like they're at the bottom of the thing. And like they have to get out of the cage. And when they start getting out of the cage, there's a bunch of sharks around. Of course. Of mm, course. Fuck that movie, bro. You fucked that movie. It's like every you single phobia. No, no, I saw it. Part two, I saw it on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix. Oh, part, part two's coming out. It's like every single fucking phobia in one. Dude, that movie's, that movie's just... And then you look at the, the n- number of visits that people have had at the beach freaking drastically drop after watching that fucking movie. It's so horrible. Keep talking about your blue holes? forgot what the fuck I was talking about. You're talking about Dan's blue hole? Yeah, Dean's, 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 blue Dean's, hole. Dean's blue hole. But yeah, that's that's the blue hole whirlpool. And then an extra 
logical reason is human errors. As you mentioned earlier, you're like, well, well there's no such like this fucker. What's that his name? The German Warley? dude? The German, yeah. 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 So that could be one quote unquote human uh, error. Yeah, human errors that people tend to do. Like, yeah, I have up. enough gas to fucking make it there and then. And then. Fucking up. Well, that doesn't explain the disappearances of these ships and not finding anything. So those are the three logical scientific reasons of what's going on around this area. And now we're going to the juicy supernatural we all been waiting yeah, for yeah, yeah. That's all I don't give. That's the only reason people are listening to this episode. Yeah, but don't, don't believe the hype. Don't <laughs> give a fuck about my science, <laughs> my hood science. They don't give a fuck about that. Want to know why? Why is it really happening? Number one, you mentioned this earlier. That's the biggest one. Ufos. Yes, it is. No, that's. Oh, uh, Atlantis. Do you just want my segment ready? Just... Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's Atlantis. It's that. Uh, for those who don't know what Atlantis is, right? It's a very mythical. Fucking high advanced technology fucking city. You if, want to know more about Atlantis? Know, don't go to our first episode. Go, go look that shit up. I want to record. I want to I <laughs> do another Atlantis episode. No, we we, we can't go back. We can't go just, back. Just just move we, on. We got to remaster it. We can't. We, <laughs> we got to remaster it. How many movies that have been remastered have ever been successful? This will be the first. We're <laughs> <laughs> the first. Because we can't possibly do it any worse. I don't think. But, yeah, like my brother was saying, Atlantis is, if it's true and if you believe in Atlantis, it's rumored to be the cradle of all civilizations. Correct. Talk to me, Josh. And in this story, story of Atlantis, they're saying the entrance to Atlantis or the road to Atlantis is known as the Binimi Road. Oh. Did, did I mispronounce the Binimi? No, the... Uh, B-I-M-I-N-I. The Bimini, the Bimini Road. The Binimi Road. Where the fuck is it? I have it somewhere around here. Yeah, the B I M I N I. The B the Bimini. I don't know if it's called Bimini or Bimini. There's a enunciation in there somewhere. B I M I N I. The Bimini Road. The Bimini Road. So these are rock formations. Okay. And that's the entrance of Atlantis. that will take you to one of the or the entrance of Atlantis. Yeah, the Bimini Road is rumored. I'm gonna talk about that about it. I'm gonna just get. A, a little bit into it a little later. It's rumored to be the highway that leads you to Atlantis. Atlantis. And these rocks are located coast of the Benimi Island in the Bahamas, which you're going to mention, uh, what's his name? Edgar Casey. Yeah. He's he's dude. A, he's a sleep prophet. He's a prophet. And he, one of his prophecies was he, he's basically, like one of his things he's known for, I'm going to talk about it a little later. But one of the things he's known for is, he bringing up the rumors, the thing about Atlantis. And no one has ever brought it up before. They have. They have. But he got really in detail yeah. in terms of all things. I'm going to explain about that little. little I'm going to re-explain some things. I'm going to talk about. He's the Nostradamus of Atlantis. Yeah, he's up there with Nostradamus. Like, I think he has the most, like, actual predictions like that that, were, that came true. Oh, shit. And check this out. He predicted that we will find the entrance to Atlantis by by getting led by these formation of rocks, uh-huh. the entrance to Atlantis. In 1968, mm-hmm. they found these formations. Oh, yeah, he said. And people, he, yeah, go on. And scientists and other people are saying, uh, these are just natural occurrences. But if you see the shape and the alignment of these stones, it's exactly it's, how he described it's, it. It's too good to be true. Yeah, Damn. Yeah, so, yeah, so basically, Atlantis, he, he said in the year 1968, 1969, the uh, the location of Atlantis will be revealed to us. 
That's what he said. And so happened that in that year, we that's when we discovered the Bimini Road. And the Bimini Road is supposed to be rumored, rumored to be the entrance to the highway to Atlantis. Check this out. In this highway, these roads, there's actual walls that look man-made. Which is insane. Just picture a road with walls. There's rocks formation sh- that has walls. And there's stop signs and traffic signs <laughs> yeah. there, too. It's, there's potholes and everything. It's na- naturally. It's, you know? Mother Nature. So, you may be wondering, well, how the fuck does this explain ships and fucking aircrafts disappearing and just <laughs> vanishing? Right. Well, Lantis is known to have or to be powered by these uh, super energy crystals. Mm-hmm. Right? So, they're saying... These crystals are still active, which are creating these electromagnetic dysfunctions all across this whole area. So it either breaks down the ship, fucks up the aircraft, or it's too much energy for these crafts that they just completely vanish and shit. Yeah. Damn. So that's like the well-known conspiracy. Behind uh, the Bermuda Triangle. That's what I. That's what. That's what. It, that's what picked my interest about the Bermuda Triangle when I found out about Atlantis. And that connection between yeah those two. Next up, we have what you said earlier: UFOs. The UFOs. There's not really a lot of information on UFOs and the Bermuda Triangle as heavily as the Atlantis story. Huh. Um, but yeah, they're saying that this is a base of UFOs and. The reason why ships and aircrafts are are getting destroyed or missing is because of technology being so high advanced, just like Atlantis. That is just our machinery, our technology cannot uh, uh, handle such yeah, like, such energy or such. Yeah, like the way to describe fuel. it is like a huge power surge. Like imagine you're trying to like you fucking plug, like you're trying to plug your phone into like a nuclear reactor. Like it's just it's gonna fry your phone. That's basically what what the whole UFO thing is. Like they're they're saying that there might be an under an underwater base. Right. So if it is an underwater base, they're no longer UFOs, but they're USOs, underwater submergible, submergible, sub sub submerged submerged objects, yeah. Un- unidentified submerged objects. Yeah. Which there's been accounts of people witnessing these shits. Yeah. USOs Damn. coming from the fucking ocean. Going up to the sky. I always thought the theory between Which is crazy. USOs or UFOs or just aliens in general. I thought it was just like they're passing through. La, la, la. Oh shit, there's a fucking. And then they're the aliens. They're like, nope, you didn't see shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it could be that. Yeah. Which is crazy here. Um, my source, um, Steven Spielberg, they mentioned that his science fiction film, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, features the lost Flight 19. Which is a movie in which credits that they were abducted by aliens. Oh. Explanation of the white waters. So those are the two main uh, conspiracies. They're fiction. Uh, I was doing my research, and there was a lot of articles stating that uh, there's, there's like time warp Nazis and stuff. 
So I was like, oh, this sounds fucking amazing. Let me look into it. I'm looking into it. It turns out to be a fucking episode of X-Files. Ah. Episode 3, season 6 or some shit. Did you watch it? Uh, I did. No, I did. Oh. I didn't watch it. So I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. But like I said, my, my, my sources, or my source to be exact, is uh, BermudaAttractions.com. Right? It's a whole website dedicated to the Bermuda Triangle. They have lots of conspiracies that are logical and uh, supernatural. Yeah. And I'm scrolling down, scrolling down, and then towards the end of this, and I quote the Arthur, the creator of this, he, he, he notes, I manually evaluate all posts and include only the ones that are original, not copy-pasted from other sources, and having some serious matter. Unless the post adds further value to this article, I do not include them. So he has stories of different people that talk about theories of the Bermuda Triangle. There's one about Hawaii being like the the the, the duplicate spirit world of of traveling through our dimension to the spirit world. So that one's not too much, but the one that I like the best is from a ten year old girl. Her name is Alexandra Sofia Melendez from Puerto Rico. And she shares her imagination. I believe this one the most. This, I like it a lot. And I quote. She's like, whack. <laughs> Shit's <laughs> whack, son. Just one word. No. Whack. No. And I quote. I think that inside the Bermuda Triangle is an island where time can be tricky. An island that dinosaurs have grown bigger, stronger, smarter, and faster. And when the plane flies... A dino jumps in the air and with his claws and jaws crushes an airplane. And then a bigger, stronger, smarter, and faster megalodon opens its jaws and crushes a boat and maybe even a more prehistoric creature roam in the island. But remember, it's a theory. It may not be true, <laughs> but it can explain really? all the disappearances <laughs> of boats and aircrafts that go in the Bermuda Triangle, not including abandoned ships. Now, let me say I'm belittling here. No, I, I like this because at 10 years old, my imagination That's was not this fucking wild. imagination, man. I'm 30 and my imagination ain't that wild. <laughs> Fuck. What's your name? Alexandra Sofia Melendez. Appreciate it. Yeah, like from Puerto Rico. And that's, oh, where, the, the, that's, that's where Jurassic Park came from. Imagine how, cra- imagine how crazy it'd be if you just... I was just like, you're driving here in the rear in the fucking boat, whatever. You just yeah. like two boats. You can see how fucking Tarantula's Rex just jump out of the water. Fuck that. Just fucking... Or a Megalodon. That shit reminds me. What was that Jurassic Park where it was a. It's the second to last one they came out, right? Where they turned into a freaking amusement park. No, like where like Jurassic like people park. actually That's came Jurassic. to this fucking the island. It was, oh, oh, oh and Jurassic it's World. Open. Yeah. Jurassic World. Yeah. When they're over, it looked like a fucking Sea World. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that, that yeah, yeah, that shit. Yeah. That's all yeah. I fucking imagine. Just scary. Right. Fuck that. Shout out to Sophia. So those are uh, the six conspiracies behind the Bermuda Triangle, both logical and supernatural. Earlier in the episode, and my brothers mentioned it, I talked about a man, Edgar Casey. And how he first introduced the theory of where Atlantis would be. Without knowing his location would be one of the world's greatest mysteries. But if you're wondering who this crazy asshole is, this is who Edgar Casey was. Known as the Sleeping Prophet, 
Edgar would answer questions on topics such as healing, reincarnation, wars, Atlantis, and future events, all while allegedly asleep. Hence hmm. why I'm calling him the crazy asshole. That's what he was known for. Crazy he'd go, asshole. He'd, know, <laughs> he'd go to sleep and you'd ask him shit and he'd answer you in his sleep. Oh, in, in his, his sleep. sleep. In his sleep. Oh, I thought he would dream about this shit and talk about it. No, he would be asleep and you ask him shit. Like, how longer, I wonder how long it's going to take for him to answer my question. So, born in 1877 in, Hop, in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, he was one of six children to his former parents and claimed that during his youth, he would often play with little folk. And allegedly, he saw his deceased grandfather and he would claim to have incorporeal vision, where if he tried really hard, he'd be able to see through people. So, by the age of 12, he was fully ingrained in Bible in his Bible studies, and in May 1989, while reading the Bible in his hut in the woods, he "quote unquote" saw a woman with wings, who told him that his prayers were answered, and asked him what he wanted most of all in the world. He answered he wanted to help sick children, and immediately decided to become a missionary. So the very next night, after getting a complaint from his teachers, his father ruthlessly tested him. For spelling. I don't know how the fuck he could ruthlessly test somebody. It spells this shit, you little <laughs> shit. <laughs> Alright, never mind. All right, there he goes. <laughs> so he tested him. Buzzfeed solved. Yep. So he tested him so fucking ruthlessly that poor Edgar <laughs> fell out of his chair from exhaustion. <laughs> Keep spelling. <laughs> Keep fucking. <laughs> fuck. It's fuck. no longer words. He just. And while on the floor, <laughs> so while on the floor, Edgar heard the winged Still woman's smelly. voice. He heard the winged woman's voice Run. and told him that if, that if he could sleep, that if he could that if he, that if he could sleep, quote unquote, they could help him. So he begged his father to get a rest. Papa, please, I'm tired. I need some shut eye. Aurora Borealis, spell it. So he begged his father, and his father said, all right, I'll give you a break. And he immediately fell asleep while resting his head on the spelling book he was getting grilled on. A few moments later, his father came in to wake him up to, to obviously continue. And Edgar knew all the answers. So much so that he was able to repeat word for word pages from the book. Angering his father and making him believe he was fooling around earlier, because earlier he was testing them, he didn't know shit, fell asleep. He woke up. Now he knew everything. He's like, oh, you were fucking with me. The dad kept grilling him until, again, he was knocked out of his chair from being so tired. But from this moment forward. <laughs> I want to see that scene. But from this moment forward, Edgar used all his books that way. If he fall asleep with a book and he'd wake up, he knew everything inside the book. Son of a gun. Hey, we, that's, and that's it. That's what we got to do. And that's right. I've tried it. I, I tried it in class. It didn't work. I would say, I tried it in class, it wouldn't work. It would, it would do the complete opposite, as a matter of fact. But he used to do this for all his books, and he immediately, like, overnight became the favorite student. He became, like, the great student. He was, like, a savant. Proud he knew he knew everything. And his father would brag about it. And at a young age, he started becoming uh, no, known as the kid that's different. You know what I mean? Imagine yeah. parents asking him, so how does your kid know all this shit? You want to know the secret? How, how, like, how often does your... Does your son study? Study? No, no, no. He just sleeps on the book. Not even. He's just like, it's got to be ruthless. 
He I ruthlessly grow him. So a few so a while later, Edgar began to show his ability to diagnose in his sleep. So while playing outside, he was hit in the spine by a ball and immediately started acting strange. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait. He Wait. was playing outside and the ball hit him in the spine and because of that he started acting strange. Ah! So hit him in the back. The spine. <laughs> the spine. Specifically the spine. And eventually he, he was in so much pain and he was and like whatever, he was had he had to be put to sleep. Not like medically, but like dude. <laughs> <laughs> this story just turned fucking dark. Shh, shh, shh. No, like like he was hurting and like, dude, just go to bed. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah I'll put you down, boy. And while he was asleep, he diagnosed himself. Was bullshit. He, he he figured out the cure, and his family prepped the cure, and administered it to him in his sleep, and he woke up feeling better. What kind of ball did he get fucking hit by, dude? This is well. He, this was like the late eighteen hundreds. It's probably like a, something Close made out of concrete. Yeah, like you like it's <laughs> concrete it, that can bounce. It's a they call it a ball, but it's just a big rock. It's a rock wrapped in leather. Hmm. So. Growing up, Edgar, he became a huge figure in the psychic space that he occupied. And he was huge. Having clients such as Woodrow fucking Wilson, our 28th president, would go to him. Really? Are we going to win? Thomas fucking Edison would go to him. You will make a light bulb. And goddamn fucking Irving Berlin. uh, He's considered to be one of the uh, greatest American songwriters. Considered to be one of the greatest songwriters in American history, hmm. and his claim to fame is he fucking wrote "God Bless America." God, damn! And those are just just some of the f- famous people that just, came to yeah, just you know, just to name a few. So aside from being a psychic, he was also a prophet, and one of his prophecies was about Atlantis, its discovery, history, and destruction. He claimed that a new land would appear in 1968 and 1969 off the coast of North America. My brother just mentioned it. Which coincidentally was a time that the Bibini Road was discovered. And it's considered to be the highway leading to Atlantis. Edgar claimed that Atlantis was the size of Europe. And maintained that Atlantis was, quote unquote, the first civilization which was technologically superior to even our own. And that its last surviving islands have disappeared somewhere in the Atlantic. He also claimed that the Atlanteans were very well versed in technology that harnessed the power of the quantum world. So basically, if you guys know uh, Ant-Man. This included using crystals and sound waves for healing. Elevators and connecting tunnels that operated by compressed air and steam. The crystal skull, for example. Have you guys seen the crystal skull? Have you guys heard about the crystal skull? It's just what I'm describing. It's a skull made out of crystal that they found in an in an archaeological site, right? Okay. And it was cut with such infinite precision, infinite. He fucking said that no known modern tool today could have rep- could replicate the job that he did on that skull. Oh shit! And not only that, but this crystal skull is a USB. It's a USB? It's a USB. Fucking driver? Drive? There's so much information inside the crystal that we just don't know how to read it. But we know that there's data inside the crystal. What the fuck? And according to Casey, 
They were familiar with the amplification power of crystals in laser technology and memory chips. They made extensive use of mass mental telepathy, psychokinesis, and astral projection into fourth dimensional consciousness. So, Edgar said the people of Atlantis had had constructed giant laser-like crystals for power plants and that these were responsible for the second destruction of the land. Casey blamed the final destruction of Atlantis and the disintegration of their culture on greed and lust. According to Casey, two rival parties fought for control of the the Atlanteans in its final days. The children of the Law of One wanted to return to a spiritual stewardship of the land based on, you know, just neutral laws. And the other group, the Sons of Belial, wanted to exploit natural resources for material gain. And this is what many call the War of Atlantis. The chief focus of their, of their conflict was a third class of dual half-awake subhumans that the Sons of Belial used for slave labor. The Children of the Law of One wanted to enlighten these sub-beings by raising their consciousness. However, the Sons of Belial wanted to keep them in ignorance and exploit them for their own gain. And that's what one of the ki- that's one of the things that Casey said that led to the destruction one of the led to the destruction of the of Atlantis, which is the wars of Atlantis. And then one of the other things he talked about was the exodus from Atlantis to Egypt. And that's how I, that's te- that's literally how I figured how I first how how I first heard about Atlantis because I'm really into like ancient Egypt. Like we all were, you know, we're all been one of the thing one of the earliest things that when I was getting really into Egypt was that they came from that there's rumored that the Egyptians were basically Atlanteans. That came to land? Yep. So Casey revealed that before the legendary land disappeared under the waves, there was an exodus of many Atlanteans to ancient Egypt. He attributed the biblical great flood of Noah to be a result of the sinking of the lad of the last huge remnants of Atlantis. He also revealed that the many Atlanteans that managed to escape had hoped to preserve a record of their civilization. Casey said, this is what Casey said. He said that, you know, that the many Atlanteans, that they managed to escape and they hoped to preserve a lot of their record of their civilization. Thus, they created two separate archives with all their history and accomplishments so that they could preserve them. Casey said that the Atlanteans buried one of the archives under one of the great sphinx paws. You know the great sphinx in Egypt? Yeah. The craziest part. This, he said this in the 1930s. Recently, and I mean in the last 10, at the most, years, there has been new research conducted around the sphinx with new technology. During one of the Discovery Channel specials, researchers confirmed that, in fact... They could see a room under the left paw of the Sphinx. But the Egyptian director of antiquities does not allow excavation in that area Don't for any reason. Fuck with my paw, man. Maybe he's maybe he's like in the mummy where he's in charge of keeping it a secret. He's like, nope, we're not burying it. Nope, we're not opening it. Nope, 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 nope. It's fucking crazy. Wait. So then they just fucking scanned around the yeah. area? Oh, okay. Yeah, they use sound waves. They're like, there's, just there, there's, a room. there's a room in there. He's like, yep, leave it alone. <laughs> you didn't bother telling us about it? Nope. Leave uh, it alone. Last but not least, one of his other things was the 
his incarnations of the Atlanteans. So during Casey's otherworldly journeys, he would often reveal the past lives of those who came to him for information concerning their health. He told a number of them that they had past lives in the legendary lost land of Atlantis. In fact, Casey revealed that a vast number of souls who lived past lives in Atlantis had been, re- had been incarnating to America for a long time now. Their purpose was to usher in a new era of enlightened human consciousness. In all, Casey referred to Atlantis no fewer than 700 times over a span of 20 years. Casey revealed information about the history of humanity ranging from the beginning, which is the creation, to a time in the future when humans will evolve into beings with supernatural powers. But one thing he was always very emphatic about, he believed that those horrible future events he prophesied about could possibly be averted if humanity changed its behavior. In fact, that is the purpose for him giving his prophecies, to warn people to change so that his prophecies won't happen. Damn. That's some quality shit there. And that is the end of our, I was going to say Atlantis episode, of our Bermuda Triangle episode. But, like, we kind of, fo- at the end, I focused on Atlantis a little bit, but that's because that's where my introduction for the Bermuda Triangle was. And it's a sexy little story, you know what I mean? When people think of a Bermuda Triangle, a lot of people think of... Just the disappearances. Not Just disappearances, but a lot of times they think of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Or when you think of Atlantis, you think of the Bermuda Triangle. Right. You know what I mean? So, hope you guys enjoyed the show. It was a cool reading up into the Bermuda Triangle. It was fi- it was good finally having all three of us back again. It's been a, it's been a little while. You it's know why? You know why? It's because we aren't fucking triangles. Oh, all right, guys, that is the <laughs> that is the Fuck. end of our episode. But again, thank you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, stop listening to the goddamn Atlantis episode, man. <laughs> Fuck, like. You guys listen. The Atlantis episode has been listened to more times than the whole Gilda Ray series combined. Like, God damn it. I took so much work. Listen to the Gilda Ray series. God damn it. God damn it. We should. We should. Uh, Is there an option for us to choose what episode gets listened to first? <laughs> yeah, we just delete all the ones we know what we're listening to. <laughs> but thank you guys again. You guys could join us. Uh, you guys could uh, add us on Instagram. Yeah. yeah the yeah. Weird History. If you tell Spot to look at all these pictures, you want to look at. The uh, hexagonal, the hexagonal clouds. You want to look at some of the boats. You want to look at some of the pictures. You want to look at the Bamini Road. Go to our Instagram. And here's another thing too. Um, people have mentioned that when they go to our Instagram, they don't, they don't um, see the pictures. It's because I, I don't upload the pictures until after the episode because I don't want to spoil too much right, for the episode right, right, right. so the episode airs and during that week i start uploading pictures right you know what i mean so just in case people the episode's out so if people haven't heard listen to the episode they look at the, they look at our feed they're like oh shit they talk about this this all right let me go back and listen to it right right you know what i mean but if you guys if you guys would like it the other way around if you guys want me to use these pictures as, as a preview, it as pre- a preview to the to the to the to the, to the episode let me know and i'll just switch it up but again again you want to do that look at our instagram the weird history in retail's pod. Anyways, thank you guys. Do you guys have anything else to add? I gotta take a piss. All right, so well, you, could, you, could, no. you, you could just said not that. So thank you guys, and as always, we are the weird history in retail's pod. We are the triangle.